What is up, ladies and gentlemen? Hope you're all doing well today. I am. I'm actually doing good, you know? It's one of those things where it's iffy. <laughs> Go uh, listen to my podcast, Weathering the Storm, Managing Depression, and you'll know why. But, um, by the way, when I say go listen to the podcast, I'm not doing that to just shamelessly plug myself. When I say go check out my music or my films, yeah, shamelessly plugging myself. But when I when I say go listen to my podcast, I'm not doing it because I, I need or think more people should listen to more of my podcast episodes, right? This is purely just me letting off the top, just letting my thoughts flow, my emotions out. And anybody who wants to hear it for entertainment value or just to gain some sort of new insight, by all means, can enjoy it at their discretion, right? And, and that really does go for everything I create. Nothing I, I ever want to force upon people or make them feel guilty that they can't or should consume. I'm doing it because I love to do it. And then if you guys love it too, whether it, it speaks to you personally, whether it teaches you something or whether it just makes you chuckle or, or entertains you, takes your mind off things, that's all I got to do, right? That's my goal. And I'm happy to do it because it's what I love to do. I only say go check out this and that podcast because those are, you know, on average 90 minutes or more. Uh, 90 minutes to near two hours, right? Of that general topic and theme. And they're, you know, the ones I suggest are usually the ones that are some of the better podcasts I've done where everything kind of clicked and flowed. There, there are some where I admit they're not as solid as I was hoping they were by the end of it, but it was so much still valuable stuff that was better and and I know having a professional mic and I know editing and taking all that time and energy is worth it but I just want everyone to know I take podcasting seriously and I try to do it within my tool set within my knowledge base but I don't want to overcomplicate things because making films living life in general and making music is complicated enough and already takes all of my time right for the most part so at any point where I could just kind of freestyle off the cuff and discuss things that come to my mind, I will. That's why I like Twitch streaming as well, because I can talk and game, and, and that's it's, I, I love to game, and it's a productive way of reaching audiences and cross-pollinating uh, networking, and I don't have to edit a bunch of game clips. Trust me, I would do... I'd be a YouTuber pretty damn funny and interesting one with a lot of cool graphics and interesting data one of those real like addictive like good gameplay funny moments teaches you about a game and shit like that i would do that if i could and you might think well if you just dedicated the time it takes to this and that. no <laughs> editing videos is the bane of my existence i will do it i've done it a lot i'm pretty good at it but i love filmmaking but the editing portion if i can stay away from having to do it i will Right? I, I have so much content that is edited, manicured, perfected to, to really uh, represent the polish and the professionalism that I seek right? in my albums and EPs, in my short films, and some other content I post. It's very polished. It's very edited. It's very professional. And I'm very proud of those. Those are like the, the marquee signature you know, featured releases. So podcasts and Twitch streaming and everything else I do, off-the-top freestyles, those are for the people who just need to catch me and catch me at any given point, and it's a way to help me, and it's hopefully it's a way to help you. So I just want everyone to know that um, 
in general. You probably already do if you're a consistent listener. If you are, I appreciate it. I'm not sure. I cannot tell who exactly listens, but I can see the estimated monthly listens. And the fact that I have 10 <laughs> monthly listeners to my podcast, but people, these podcasts are not easy to listen to, right? Whether it's my voice or whether it's the fact that um, it's very niche or niche. I always get confused. I've heard, I've heard people say niche. I used to say niche, and then I heard people say niche, so I switched it up. I'm like, niche? I don't know. You know, in a rap song, I'll say however damn well I need to so it rhymes. But other than that, like, I don't know how to properly say I know it. I think it's region-based. Anyway, so my point is, if you go check out that episode, because that is a very important and powerful episode, and I think anyone who's struggling with any kind of mental health adversity, because I also discuss OCD and some other things that I, I deal with, Go check out Weathering the Storm. It's not a self-help podcast. Uh, it's just me talking on my experiences, and sometimes that helps people to listen. Um, also, it gives context to why being in a good mood right now is interesting. Not to say I'm always miserable. I'm kind of neutral, actually. You know, I'm just, I'm stoic. You know, I just, I, I live life, Right? I try not to let things bother me. They do, inevitably. But I try not to. And I just live life. And then sometimes my brain's like, we're going to have a shitty day today whether or not you want to participate. And then other times my brain is vacant. <laughs> it's not bothering me. It's very rare, but it happens. Or there's at least a few hours in the day. So anyway, um, this is one of those hours. I have no idea how long this will last. Because I am going through a very stressful process, as always, I am moving now, it's not like I'm permanently moving my entire house. No, I've done that enough in a lifetime uh, where I would, I would love to never have to do that again. I will, but I never want to. Um, no, I'm just moving back to college. New apartment, looking forward to it. Uh, we'll see how the setup is, um, how much, how the sound quality is, how much alone time I can get. Last semester was rough, and just my general schedule busy as hell so we'll see we'll see but I'll, I'll do podcasts when in where i can and when i feel like it so anywho here we go let's get into the topic at hand this is a funny topic i actually uh did an entire podcast late one night a couple nights ago actually um it was like <laughs> it was like midnight and i did a an hour and 45 minute long podcast which isn't anything like terribly long considering I've done two two and a half three and a half hour long three and a half hour being like once like there's one time it went three and a half hours long because it was a huge topic and I went in depth and I was on focus that's actually also a great episode it's it might meander but it's actually pretty good um so I, I did this topic of Activision Microsoft Activision Blizzard Microsoft deal I've talked about it two or three times beforehand but now this is like an updated revision review coming back to this topic because this deal was announced six and a half months ago six month mark right i did one my initial thoughts on it my pure excitement i did another one when they started the litigate litigation processes and going through the sec and the fcc and the fbd and the he and he all that shit and so yeah that was like in March, February maybe, probably March, mid-March. So now it's August, mid-August, 
exactly dead on mid-August, actually, now that I think of it. And uh, I figured, why not find the time to discuss this, to really get into the weeds and uh, look into the new developments of Activision Blizzard. And of course, as always, I will get distracted, go on other tangents. I've been looking up some other stuff. So I might throw some other pieces of info news that have nothing to do with it in there. But uh, bear with me. We're going to crack open, talk about... Um, I'm going to go over a brief cursory overview. Brief being from Psychic is not very brief, but as brief as I can do. Um, just the brief overview of everything that has happened, everything that's currently happening, future thoughts, general uh, critiques, and uh, some other shit thrown in there. So please stick around, and I appreciate all the love and support as always. Let's do it. January 16th, I believe it was. 2022. What a day. That week was quite rough for me personally. Um, On the bright side, I was able to see my girlfriend. She and I are long distance. So she was able to visit me, and that's always lovely. Uh, It's usually the highlight of my year. So she was here for a week. It was a great time. The day she left was the day, uh, unfortunately, my grandfather passed away. Um, Not looking for pity. I'm just giving some context here. And so... Uh, you know, it just sucks. Your girlfriend leaves back home, you know, long distance. So that's always a bummer. Uh, It's always a sharp pain for the day. You're just like, oh, I miss her. And then, of course, my grandfather died. So just a rough week, you know, just coping with all that. Um, Figuring out the transition back to school, uh, starting online for the first few weeks, of course. All that. So it was a lot of stressors. It's not a great week. And then there is a light at the end of the tunnel, if you will. I know you might be thinking, Jesus, this guy really is a nerd. If video games can lift his spirits from that kind of shit show, they can. See, video games for me not only are a beautiful art form and a way of social connecting, but it's just a hobby of mine that I've grown to love and that I get very excited and passionate about. And yeah, a good video game could immediately change my mood. The announcement of something I'm looking forward to can give me reason to get my ass up and push on because if I get through the day, at some point I'll be able to purchase this video game and and play it. I know that's not the case for everybody. I know people have varying relationships with the video video games in general, but that's mine. It's always been there, and it's, uh, it's just a great love, a great hobby. Some people have cars. Some people have cards. Some people have, you know train sets. Some people have knitting, crocheting. Some people have book clubs. Some people have books, too. I do love books. I I read a lot of books. I think I mentioned that in one of my podcasts. Uh, the community gaming one, yeah. And in that podcast, by the way, once again, to reference another podcast, go and check that out. There's this awesome segment, tangent, really, that I go off into talking about the beauty and the love of artistry in general and how it pertains to, to um, video games. So, yeah. Video games has always been a influential and helpful factor. Even when I'm disappointed in the game. The thing about video games is either there's always an update or a patch that can maybe improve some small issues, or there's always going to be another game. Always. Unless the industry completely collapses, which is a possibility, but it's pretty tricky to have that happen now too lucrative. Anyway, so 
yeah, rough week. You know, I was working on Dragon. I was doing a lot of productive stuff on my own, right? Writing my films and such, having a good time for that reason, enjoying family, all that. But it was a rough week, you know? It always is when you lose somebody close. And so, anyway, um, I believe it was January 16th. Going off memory here, folks. Uh, I got... <laughs> I'm a gamer, so I'm plugged in all these news outlets, right, and game forums and these journalists and stuff. I really try to keep up. I try to learn about the info, at least the the broad spectrum stuff, and then, of course, the more specific games or genres or franchises or developers that I personally appreciate. I try to keep it the uh, be in the know about. I think I do a pretty good job, right? And like I say, since I'm going off the top, I'm going from memory. I wish I could credit all the authors and sources. But they're public. And I'm not stealing anything. I'm not saying like, oh, this is originally my idea. I I mean, these are my original ideas. It's not like someone's telling me what to say. But, you know, it's from my own personal research. I'm just a messenger with a tinge of humor and opinion in it. A lot of opinion. <laughs> So anyway, I wake up, I, I'm, I, I remember, I'm literally headed to the shower, I'm acting like this is a big historical event, it is actually, in the gaming industry, this is a, um, this is a metric fuck ton size of an event, actually, in the video game industry, hell, it was so big, it even sent ripples through the actual, just business industry, all of business turned their eyes to this transaction. So anywho, here we are, January 16th or so, and I'm getting up, managing life as usual, going to the, sh going to the shower. I check my phone, and I see a flurry of notifications, because my dumbass forgot to turn on Do Not Disturb, which I usually have on. Just, you know, like a machine gun burst. Every news headline, just general news headline, CNN, MSNBC, Fox News, um, fucking BBC, America. Al Jazeera, which is a great news publication, by the way. Go check them out. Um, Hollywood Reporter, I think, even did a piece on it, and Variety. Um, all those news outlets, then all the specific game outlets, IGN, of course, um, GameSpot, GameRanks, just all of them. Go check out GameRanks YouTube. They're dope YouTube. Skill Up, GameRanks. Uh, they're dope. Jason Schreier, he's an amazing uh, journalist, and has I think that's his name. If I get that wrong, please someone correct me. He has a, an, a, if I'm thinking of the right name, if it is Jason Schreier, which I believe it is, I, I don't have my book handy, but I have this phenomenal book. It's one of my favorite books, actually. It's called Blood, Sweat, and Pixels, and it's in-depth into uh, like 12 or 13 different video games throughout different periods of time that were developed. We're talking like Last of Us Part 1, and um, Pillars of Eternity, and Stardew Valley, and so on and so forth. All kinds of scales and different types of games. It's it's an incredible... Tomb Raider, I think, was one of them. It's an incredible book. Definitely recommend Blood, Sweat, and Pixels for anyone interested in the gaming industry. Um, anyway, so... Uh, so I'm just getting blown up, right? Lit the fuck up. My phone is just vibrating like a fucking dildo on a nightstand. So it's crazy. And I'm looking around like, what the hell's going on, you know? What could possibly be going on? It's like 
It wasn't even like a Friday. It was like a Tuesday or a Monday or something. I think it was a Monday. I'm just like, what kind of fucking shit is going on on a Monday? I know we're living in the end of times right now, so th- this shit can't be good, right? I finally lo- I open up one of the articles. I don't remember which one. And I read it. And as soon as I read the headline, I leave it. Okay? And this is something I think more people should practice, actually. I read an ad- article headline. Or maybe it wasn't even an article. Maybe it was just someone tweeting it. I don't remember. I'm not actually even on Twitter that much. In fact, I just deleted Twitter. I, I only install it to actually to promote these podcasts, so I might need to reinstall it, but anywho, so I I read the uh, Microsoft acquires Activision Blizzard. Now, mind you, this is coming off the heels of Microsoft just buying Bethesda for 12, wait, no, $9 billion? Doesn't matter, 9 to $12 billion, something like that. That's fucking insane, people. Star Wars was cheaper. Star Wars was $4 billion. I don't even know what Marvel's price was. And of course, they bought the Mar- Disney bought Marvel before it was even big. I mean, nowadays you could probably make it worth more. Disney bought 20th Century Fox in like 2019, late early 2019, late 2019, uh, for 75 billion dollars. It's the largest film acquisition of a studio to studio base I've ever seen. I think in history. I don't think there's ever been one bigger than that. 75 billion fucking dollars, people. Now, mind you, 20th Century Fox, for its for history, was one of the first two studios that started in Hollywood. Three. I think MGM was there, too, but who cares about that? That's a whole different issue with Amazon buying them. I could talk about that later. In fact, at some point, I will make a podcast about film, because I am a filmmaker and I also study. I study film and know more about film than I do video games, so I just don't talk about it. Because it's the field I'm in, because I'm in film college, it just feels weirder, you know? See, video games I study, I know a lot about. I'm not saying I'm a professional, and I'm not in the industry, per se. So I can just kind of, you know, stand back, give my analysis from the consumer standpoint, from someone who does uh, copious amounts of research and really loves video games. I can still do that for film. In fact, I've always been doing that. The only problem is I also make them, and I'm also a part of the industry. So... Does it make me more of a professional? Excuse me, more valid? Yeah. But I'm also new to it, and I'm very young. So I just don't want people to think I think I know everything about film. I don't. In fact, I don't know everything about anything. I just know enough to talk about it freely. That's all. Anyway, here we go. So, Activision Blizzard. This was announced, and what I encourage people to do when they see a tweet or they see a headline or they see something that's of big news or of importance or something that they find kind of shocking, like what? Like almost where you're like, wait, is this even real? Is this a prank? Is this April Fool's? You know, that kind of shit. And in general, just for everything you'd read, do this as a practice. Find the source. Sometimes it's easier. In this case, the source was xbox.com. <laughs> You know, remember, these public corporations can't just blanketly lie about product. I mean, they can, but they'll try not to, especially if it's something that would profit. Like if there's no reason for them to lie. I don't mean like a cover up. I mean, like Xbox wouldn't make that up. They wouldn't just say that to get publicity. That would hurt their brand. So if it's true, you just go to Xbox.com. And if it says it there, it's true. 
or it's, you know, whatever's on there is the, the most credible info. It's the source. Anyway. So, apologies, I don't know why that got cut off. It was just a random glitch. So apologies for that rough segue transition. I was making good points and telling funny jokes and stories, so I'm not deleting that, and I'm not... I could trim it back, but there's no way that would even... I was not planning on cutting it. It was just a little glitch, so I apologize for that technical mishap. Anyway, here we go. So it's um, it's one of those things where I do think it's important to check your sources, and, and Xbox, of course, for their own information, is a credible one. But for anything you read, any kind of meme, any kind of post, anything you see on Facebook, your loved ones, your friends, even if they tell you shit, just look it up. Make sure. Look it up on your own trusted sources. AP News is a good one. They're, that's like their entire job. Snopes is good. Snopes is really good. Their entire job. Go to Snopes.com. S-N-O-P-E-S, if anyone's interested. That's literally a place where they tell the misnomer. Like they, they will find the article. They will find the original publication of the source. All kinds. It's not a biased thing. It's purely just fact and and data driven they'll find the source and they'll 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 show the the first claim oh this person claimed that pesticides are in the water i'm making up a story this isn't i mean maybe but i'm currently this is just made up oh pesticides are in the water according from people.com and then they'll go in and they'll say well people.com this is what they claim they'll show the article they'll have the link so you can go read it and then they'll, then they'll pick it apart, really. They'll just analyze it, break it down. Sometimes it's people copying and pasting and just mixing quotes and shit to purposely misinform people, and they can figure that out. That's literally their entire job. Or they'll just say it was taken out of context. Here's the whole quote the governor was saying. We're, not putting, we're, we're trying to prevent pesticides being in water. But they, you know, this article just cut it out and said pesticides in water from governor this and that. You know what I mean? So they just get to the source. So they'll say if it's if the information, so the claim is what you read because that's what they're basing it off of. And they'll say false, partially true, right? Maybe elements and parts of it is true, but overall it's misleading and it's not interpreted properly or it's not translated right or it's out of context, and then true. It's like Mythbusters, but for written. And it's for every kind of thing, political, non-political, global, any kind of issue, any kind of wives' tale, anything like that. So go check out Snopes.com. I highly recommend it. It's a great source of just fact-checking. It's not the only one source. I know there are people who trust issues. Well, how do you know that they're unbiased? I, I trust that they are. You have to have a little trust in something, right? If you don't, there's nothing you can do. There's no credibility to anything. There's no authority to or validity to whatever you hear or, or consume. So I do trust them. Um, of course, they're not the only singular source you should rely on, but it's a good tool, right? But in general, it's a good practice to check the sources, check the data, make sure people know where it's coming from. It doesn't have to be fucking, you know, John Hopkins, Hopkins, Hopkins. It doesn't have to be like a medical research paper worth of data. It just has to come from somewhere. You know? Especially with video game info. Anybody could just say, oh, well, Phil Spencer recently announced that they're going to buy the entire video game industry. And if they catch you on an un... 
you know, they catch you off guard, you might for a split second think, wait, what? <laughs> Why are they doing that? If you read a headline tomorrow that said Xbox is buying Square Enix, Square Enix was already bought, the U.S. branch, um, the American division, by a private hedge firm. But anyway, um, but if you heard that or something like that, you might think it's real. We're all very immediate reaction-based. So when I can, when I'm thinking clearly, I try to go and check. So that's what I did, you know? Immediately, I saw that. I'm like, wait a sec. Hold on. <laughs> that's way too big of a claim to just trust a tweet or trust a random headline. It'll obviously be published on Xbox.com or Microsoft at the very least, if it's true. And of course, other news sources are flooding in. I'm like, okay, this looks more legit. And then I read the blog posting article on Microsoft with the flashy little logo and I saw all their official social medias post it. That's all their that's another good way. If it has a blue verified check or if it's coming from the author, the source, and they're not hacked, of course their account can always be hacked. But if there's no I mean you can usually tell. And if there's no way that it's been hacked, that's also a good way of knowing it's official. You know? Um so yeah. Had the nice little logo. Uh, it showed all Xbox, uh, and, and it showed, you know, Bethesda, and it showed their five or six headline games. I'm sorry, not Bethesda, Activision Blizzard. But they did that for Bethesda, same exact font logo. So a nice, clean little logo that shows, okay, they own them now. <laughs> and all those titles you see, and then more, will be on Xbox's uh, platforms. For 69 or something like that. $69.8 billion. 70. We're going to just say 70 for the sake of argument. It's not. The exact dollar amount is less than 70, but I'm rounding up because I cannot... I'm not going to keep saying this specific number. 70 billion... With a B! Billion dollars for Activision Blizzard. And that's at their lowest share pricing they've seen. Like, that's a... I mean, they bought in when their stock was really hurt. Because of Vanguard, because of all of the Activision Blizzard lawsuits and allegations and harassments. Um, all of that. Microsoft saw the opportunity and jumped. And of course, they're the only game studio with the capital and the prioritization to do such. Sony doesn't have that kind of money. And I think Sony got humbled, and I'm not trying to stoke the flames of the console wars. Yes, I've had an Xbox. I haven't had a PlayStation. I had a PlayStation 3, but for not very not for very long I gave it to a friend. I have nothing against PlayStation. Their games are incredible from the few I've played with buddies. Um they're now coming to PC, which is great, so I'll be able to play more of them. Um but I'm I've had an Xbox since I was 11, so I've been an Xbox guy. And um and now I have a PC, which is also more akin to the Xbox ecosystem. However, it's still more independent than either one. It's not locked or restricted in any kind of way, so technically I will be getting more PlayStation games on there, such as God of War and Spider-Man. Um, God of War, I want to buy, but I'm broke, so I'm not going to hurry on that. Spider-Man, ooh, just came out a couple days ago. Oh, man, it's tempting. I should save my money and be wise. But Man, oh, man, is it tempting. I hope to God they had Ghost of Tsushima on PC. I want to play that game so freaking bad you have no idea. 
would I buy a PS5 for that game? Possibly, but I know I get disappointed in open world games a lot of the time. So, I'm not going to do that. But I want to play that game so bad. I love that Samurai Shogun, you know, feudal Japan era stuff. Just uh, that Akira Kurosawa. Give me more of that shit, please. The love of God and all things holy. <laughs> I can't wait for the movie. I'm real excited about that movie. Anyway, so, um, so here's the thing. You have to understand Microsoft's intentions going forward when they're throwing $70 billion down. I'm going to keep reiterating how much fucking money that is. Most companies would die if they had to buy $70 billion or something. Microsoft was not only able to do that, but also just be okay. I have no idea. I genuinely, I know they're a public company. I've looked it up before. They have a fuck ton of revenue coming in annually. But let's be real with ourselves for a second. If Remember, Xbox is under Microsoft, so it's universally the same thing. So if Microsoft makes a... Per That's Microsoft, by the way, coming in. Xbox, if Xbox somehow was not a part of Microsoft anymore, they'd have good money, just not a lot, unless Microsoft gives them a nice parting bonus. But that's not... First of all, that's never going to happen. Second of all, that didn't make any fucking sense. But anyway, here we go. So the thing is, you got to understand the amount of capital that you have to have and how much risk that is. I mean, people are treating it like Microsoft. I mean, that that's one of those things where that's not an impulsive buy. <laughs> that's not even a standard acquisition purchase because it's in the video game market. There's never been one that's that big. Remember, that's just $5 billion cheaper than Disney, which is also huge, much like Microsoft buying 20th Century Fox. The thing about them buying 20th Century Fox, yes, it was shocking. Yeah, it was surprising. Yeah, it changed everything. And yeah, it was to gear up and, and pad their Disney Plus and Hulu. Disney does own 60, now probably more because they bought 20th Century Fox, percent stock in Hulu. Hulu's more open source. So it's like no one can, no one solely owns it, if you will. Not that I know of. You have to, you, you, you pay Hulu an X amount of percentage, and that's how much of the pie you're able to have. Disney had quite a bit going in, but 20th Century Fox, I think, had the most. So combine those two things together when they merged them. Hulu is now essentially an extension of Disney. In fact, I'm not, I wouldn't be surprised if they actually downright own Hulu. I'm not sure. Um, Disney also owns Movies Anywhere, which I didn't realize, which is a dope, dope uh, service where you can digitally scan all your movies and have them digital and connect them to other digital retailers, the ones you purchase. And you could buy it from there. I didn't realize it was owned by Disney. I was always worried. I'm like, if this is some private company, if they fall through, I lose all my digital movies. This will suck. They're not falling through. It's Disney. Anyway, that was a huge acquisition. And that was buying a film studio, mind you, that... Is not a. I mean, it's always a risk to buy something, and it's always a risk to buy something at that large of a of a price, right? But it's not like they're buying a company that could fail them. Mind you, it's the company that owns Star Wars before Disney bought it. It's a company that owns Family Guy and Simpsons, and all of FX, and oh, I don't know. 
like all of the James Cameron movies, which other than the MCU movies and other Disney movies, James Cameron is single-handedly the only person punching in the top 10 global box office charts. And two of his movies are the two highest grossing films of all time until Endgame came out, which I think this was right after Endgame came out. So Endgame didn't even cross that threshold yet at the time of this acquisition. Right, and I'm currently talking about Disney 20th Century Fox. I'll switch back to Microsoft Activision in a minute. So anyway, that was a huge purchase, right? That's monumental, and that changes the film industry. That just made the top, the big five go to the big four. 20th Century Fox has been around for fucking forever. And it was its own thing. It was actually a pretty dope film company when you look at it as a whole. So Disney made a really smart acquisition. We're talking about the Alien franchise. Avatar, Titanic, fucking, uh, I don't know, a lot, I can't even think of them all, you know, it's wild, it's wild how much they have, how many movies they have under their belt, so yeah, that definitely helps them, especially in their more mature themes, right, Disney was kind of limited at the time, not really too limited, but, you know, they didn't have any license or IP to a lot of mature themes, they had Marvel, Star Wars, Disney stuff, Pixar, which can be mature, but it's not really. When you buy 20th Century Fox, yeah, you just bump up the maturity level. And the more mature things go to Hulu. It's impressive. Deadpool, Logan, all the X-Men shit, that was 20th Century Fox. So yeah, anywho. Interesting stuff. So just about $6 billion shy of that. Microsoft one of the largest companies in the world. But Activision Blizzard, the largest independent, not, I mean, you know, independent in terms of not having their own console, the largest video game publisher in the world. With the largest video game franchise in the world. With the largest video game mobile franchise in the world. That's what Activision Blizzard has, by the way. They have the largest video game franchise of all time and actually one of the largest just general franchises of entertainment media of all time. So the reason why I'm re-recording this episode, I already had a 90-minute episode about this, but I'm re-recording it so there's more energy, it's more animated, it's more enjoyable to listen to, it's a little more concise, and because I got some of my data points wrong. Not a lot of it, just enough where I'm like, ah, you know what, if someone's paying attention, they're going to realize I didn't quite know everything specifically like I said I'm still going off the top so my ability to recall a few things that I that I um you know buttoned up on it's gonna be harder but there were some things I was in the podcast episode I deleted that was just this topic where I was kind of discussing this and I was like well I think this is what they should do and then they like a day later they reported for sure they will do that I'm like oh okay well that just makes that entire segment obsolete so partially why I'm doing this. Anyway, $70 billion. Call of Duty is the largest video game franchise of all time, and it's in the top 10, as reported in 2019, as one of the largest just general franchises, right? Up with Marvel, up with Star Wars, up with those kinds of things. That's how much money they make. (laughs) Call of Duty supplies 60-some percent near 60, a little over 60 maybe, percent of all sales, like new sales within an annual cycle, 
of a full price game, all sales for PlayStation. Xbox, I think it's also near and same that, I mean, in general. Call of Duty is a console seller. And the reason why no one's really thought of it like that is because it's never needed to be thought like that. It's always been a multi-platform experience, so it doesn't matter where you are, you'll get Call of Duty. Hell, it came out on the Wii. <laughs> and you know how stringent N Nintendo can be. So, you know what I mean? So it's like one of those things where no one really was worried about it ever being exclusive because it's so fucking big and it's a public company. No one could buy it. But we're in the land of acquisitions now. And, and this isn't inherently a good thing. I'm not for acquisitions. In fact, I'm against them. I don't think one company should own this many properties, especially IPs and, and artists that we love. However, in the case of Activision Blizzard, I'm okay with it. And the only reason for that, I'm not saying that in five years it'll be uh, all beautiful. It may be a shit show by then. I hope it's not. But the reason why I'm okay with it is because the current state of Activision Blizzard is so flawed and so fucked up that it needs some intervention, and Microsoft is logically the only person that could pull it off, other than Apple and Google, and you sure as shit don't want them intervening in video games like that. I guarantee you they would have bought. And it's better that Microsoft with Xbox and their already experienced established platform and their ability to migrate in acquisitions and transform and adapt is the most suitable option of the three. You do not want Call of Duty being Stadia Pro exclusive. You sure as shit don't want Call of Duty just being in the hands of Apple. They have no fucking video game sense. Not yet. They're working on stuff. They have a great thing with Apple Arcade for the mobile industry. I will say, they got that down pat. But other than that, that's just not going to cut it. Those are the only two companies I could see with enough capital to pull that off. Possibly Amazon. Amazon might have done it too. They're not any better. So yeah, of the big three, Microsoft, or four, Microsoft is the best option. But like I said, I'm not, a, I'm not really for these kinds of acquisitions, but if they're going to happen, I prefer to happen. And in this case, this is one of those, if it's going to happen, this is the best way to do it. Microsoft getting it, Game Pass owners getting it all. Now, as of right now, as of this recording, it's mid-August. It's not technically through yet. It's not a finalized deal. It's still in process. So anything can change. Anything can happen. But it feels like a pretty much done deal. But we don't know. We don't know. So we'll see. This is still on the table. Anyway. Um, the other thing I want to mention is that Activision Blizzard has been going through horrendous sexual harassment. Just general workplace uh, hostility and toxicity and harassment and a whole bunch of mistreatment. So, fuck all of the execs at Activision Blizzard for doing that to their employees. Fuck Bobby Kotick. That prick deserves prison if he has truly done what is reported that he's done. I'm not sure if it's, you know, it's. I think it's all alleged. I don't think anything's been proven yet. Um... Will they take him to court? They probably can't. He's too powerful. He's too rich. He's too influential. And he's getting the golden parachute of a fucking lifetime with an out of $200 million, I believe is what the uh, estimate is. That's where part of that $70 billion is going. Right in his pocket. 
as much as it sucks for that prick to somehow have more money, first off, it doesn't really matter. He already has too much money. He doesn't even know what to do with. And also, um, it means he's no longer running Activision Blizzard. Because it could have been one of those negotiations where he said he would have stayed and then been an employee under Microsoft. But no, Phil Spencer will now become the overall head, which is a great thing. Because he's not a fucking prick, at least that what we know of. So that's the other point I want to make. Okay, so now let's get into the more specifics of the actual deal and what's to look out for and some of the troubles that have come out. Let's get into it. Welcome back, ladies and gentlemen. I hope you're all doing well. So I've gone over uh, a little disclaimer and, you know, how I do this stuff anyway. Um, gone into detail about where I was when the deal was announced and general overview of kind of the systems and mechanics in place. But it's, and, and also comparing to Disney and the 20th Century Fox deal. So let's get a little more in depth here. When they announced it, they uh, announced it in January, so the beginning of the year, 2022. And they said in their announcement that they expect the deal to close June 2023. So we're still about 10 months away from the expected timeline Microsoft published for release. But here's the thing. From a bunch of inside reports and general analysis and people who understand how these legal processes take place because this isn't something like Bethesda. You might be wondering, well, they bought Bethesda for also a metric fuck ton of money. Like, what was it? $12 billion maybe? That's a lot of fucking money. It doesn't seem like a lot of money now because of the $70 billion thing, but before then, that was near or the biggest video game acquisition of all time. And that was just last year. That happened really quick, for those of you who may not be aware. That that shit wrapped up and got uh, finished within three or four months. That was impressive, even for what it was. Because, this, first of all, the scale is still huge. To have, well, it's a, they actually, Microsoft bought ZeniMax, let's be very clear. Xbox didn't buy Bethesda. Microsoft bought ZeniMax, which of course has Bethesda and all their studios that went straight to Xbox. Right? It's Microsoft doling out these purchases. Yeah, they're of course investing in the video game market. They understand how lucrative and how financially viable and consistent it is, and they understand building it is a part of their new platform identity. Right? Xbox has always been a thing of their identity, but it started small. It was really just a small fraction of it. Now they understand that selling Windows is also, is still probably Microsoft's most lucrative form of monetization, right? But video games comes very close with the Game Pass subscription because a lot of people are on PC and they need Windows to play PC games. So it's a two for one. They're also investing in video game mechanics. Here's the thing. Video games don't just offer beautiful art and great consumer entertainment and fun. Here's the other thing. They also engineer new in innovation in technology, much like film, that is applied elsewhere. The necessity for these things in video games creates the resources for other forms in the world. For example, you may not be aware of this, the Kinect, not really looked at fondly. I loved it when I was a kid. Super fucking fun. I don't get what people's problem was with it. It wasn't going to replace a controller. 
it did for Kinect games, because they're Kinect games. That's a stupid thing to think that they would still have a controller for that. Anyway, were they the most fun games ever? Not necessarily, but hey, for a 10-year-old, they were pretty fucking dope, and it actually worked really well. Like, I mean, there's some latency and lag, and going back to it now, I could probably tell you it's not as intuitive, especially now that I have VR, but my god. For 2010, it was pretty innovative. And we had its own thing, but this was like the whole idea of Kinect, unlike any other uh, gamer game uh, hardware... This had no controller. It had the camera connect sensor, and that was it. And they carried it on through the Xbox One. I think that's where it really suffered. I mean, I think people realized it was just kind of a fun gimmick getting in that motion sensor era of trying to define new hardware. No one really had a problem with it. They thought it was kind of fun, innovative, good for kids, all that. Good exercise. And it was all that, and it was really fun. And then it kind of still came with the Xbox One. You had to pay it. You didn't have a choice. So you did have to pay an extra premium for that. And it, it offered features, and it was always on. So, you know, and this is right... This is literally months after Edward Snowden leaked to everybody that the NRA is constantly watching... Not the NRA. The NSA. <laughs> oh, man. If it was the NRA constantly watching you... Oh, be in whole loads of fucking trouble. Um, no, the NSA. Right? National Security Agency? I think that's what it is. Anyway, the NSA is constantly watching you and monitoring you via metadata, whatever the fuck that means, but through digital uh, ways, cameras, microphones, etc. So a Kinect that's constantly on, staring at you with infrared and with a mic that can move autonomously and track you is dope application for connect things for using it as a remote when you can't find your controller for some stupid reason or for using it for connect games it's great for that application everything else it's a fucking spy machine <laughs> so nobody wanted it in their house or at the very least they wanted the ability to manually turn it off which wouldn't have been a problem see here's the thing connect wouldn't have been hated if two things one if it was sold separately with the option of coming, of it coming with the Xbox One bundled, or separate. If the Xbox One as a whole prioritized gaming more in their marketing and everything, they had the world by storm with 360. They fumbled the ball with Xbox One. And if they prioritized gaming more instead of all this other shit, one TV and all that, trying to make it a multimedia entertainment box, the 360 already was, it was the first console to ever have Netflix on it as a digital streaming platform. They already knew how to do that. They didn't have to tell anybody, gamers are smart, we figure shit out quickly. We know that gaming, it's that the Xbox 360 wasn't just for gaming. You can listen to music on it, you can watch YouTube, you can watch Netflix. No one thought that the Xbox One would drop all that. And you might wonder why it was called the Xbox One. That's why, the all-in-one multimedia box all your streaming applications, all this and that. And for some of it, it actually made it better. It did make the UI more streamlined, and it did, you know, of course, um, I mean, it's still a gaming machine. It still plays games just fine. There's really no hardware difference from PS4. Um, they performed relatively the same way. It was just more expensive, and it had always on. Like, 
And it always, I think it's called DRM. I don't remember. Direct remote management or something. Device. I forget what it means. Basically, it always had to be online. Which is a huge problem. Because there are still, to this day, and especially in 2013, places everywhere that don't have good internet. And it required you to always be online with a solid internet. Which means if you are traveling and you want to play an offline game, you can't. Too fucking bad. You need internet. They've changed that now. You can just pop in a game and play it. I don't really understand. I mean, I guess it stores the license read on the hard drive now. So, or SSD if you got a new console. So it can still boot up. But originally, like, the online license was activated every time you put the disc in. Even if it's a physical disc, even if it's an offline game, still couldn't play it offline. It was ridiculous. So that, paired with the Kinect, made Xbox One, and the marketing of it made Xbox One flop hard and take six and a half years to bounce their image back, including with a new director and the introduction of Game Pass. Right? But they're back in full force now. So anyway... um, that's a little side tangent, but um, kind of even forgot what I was getting at when the, I wanted to just talk about that. Now. Oh, right. Application of hardware elsewhere, right? The Connect. So what people don't realize, I was talking about video game engineering. Jesus Christ, that was a tangent, huh? So with the Connect, even though it's not a consumer popular or favorable device now, especially now that most people have outgrown it, it's used in hospitals and... Uh, schools and other facilities because of its advanced infrared capturing. It is very good at accurately capturing motion, which is a very practical use in the real world for many different industries. So the technology, as well as literal, you will see, if you look closely, you can find and see a lot of literal Xbox Connect sensors with a little bit of a different configuration, probably a little more mobile, and plugged straight into a computer at hospitals and at certain schools and all kinds of things. Engineering places, research facilities, which is dope. So please never be mistaken that video games is purely just everything that's built for it can only be used in video games. They're used in television, film, um, and other areas, music even, and including other fields as, as a whole, not even entertainment, like hospitals, right? Like engineering, uh, you know, places science labs and shit so just keep that in mind infrastructure so Microsoft bought Zenimax Corporation or whatever the fuck they were called um, I think they're called Zenimax who owned Bethesda they bought that for the infrastructure don't be mistaken yeah they also bought it for the games have the next Elder Scrolls exclusive to Xbox? Hell yeah. But they bought it for that cloud infrastructure because Elder Scrolls Online is one of the largest MMO online games. And if you look at it, they they have problems. They're still a game dev studio and they still have problems. But from a networking server standpoint, they're pretty solid for as many people as they have online throughout the world on that and on other games. So remember, when Microsoft makes these investments, these 
large investments, they're also finding ways to utilize the everything that comes with the package. The consumers get at front-facing value the games. Microsoft gets the games, the studios, the publishers, the licensing, the money, and they get the infrastructure. They get those servers. They get that compatibility. If we find out in three years the reason why all these acquisitions of these huge, massively popular franchises wasn't just for Game Pass, wasn't just for the Xbox games and all that, which I still think is the priority, um, was also a secondary way to just buy more servers. I don't know. I don't know how servers work. I assume these companies specifically, Bethesda, Activision, Blizzard, own their own servers and their server farms. They have to. There's no way they're leasing or renting those out. It's always in use. Call of Duty, are you shitting me? And guys, let's be honest with ourselves. Call of Duty runs pretty fucking good, considering. I don't mean the individual game. I mean the online server compatibility. Pretty low latency. Very automatic. Very efficient and streamlined. Sure, it crashes. Sure, it has hitches. Sure, it has problems, especially in Warzone. But not too bad. It could be a lot worse. I have seen much worse. Um, it's pretty consistent. It's very solid and it's massive. It's probably the largest video game server uh, network out there because it's the largest, most played, consistent video game and 90% of people are playing it online. So, millions and millions and millions and millions of people play it annually. I don't even think they release concurrent player numbers for COD. I don't know why they should. That would help marketing, but I've never seen. Yeah, sometimes you'd see like, oh, concurrent number of players hit 100,000, 100 million, 100 million, huh? I don't think anything's ever hit 100 million, but... I've never seen concurrent peak players for COD. I think it's just because it's so annualized, no one really gives a shit. We all know October, November is going to be at peak through the winter, right? Winter break, everyone's chilling, whatever. And then it's going to die off a little bit in the spring and summer, but still be semi-consistent. And then right before the new COD game goes uh, live, the previous one kind of jumps up in popularity again. I assume that's the general cycle. So yeah, that's why they make an acquisition that big. Now, when you make an acquisition that big, the difference also was Bethesda was a private company, meaning the dollar for dollar, it didn't have to be investigated. I mean, there are some investigations to it to make sure it was clean and fair and all that but and safe, but it's not a public company. There is not public shares or values, right? It's a whole different procedure. It's always longer to go when you buy a public company. It's a much bigger process. Here's the thing. Activision Blizzard is a fucking massive public company. So that adds more time to it, more in-depth things. They're currently launched in too many lawsuits they couldn't even count. So on top of that, they're processing that. So not only is Activision Blizzard gearing up to release a new COD, which is, of course, going to be the biggest game of the year and has a lot of expectations, and Warzone 2. Mind you, Warzone was probably one of the most profitable things they've ever seen. And COD Mobile is one of the most profitable things they've ever seen. And Candy Crush. They own Candy Crush Saga, for those who don't realize that. Candy Crush Saga is the 
biggest and the most profitable game in the mobile market space, and it's actually one of the most profitable video games of all time. In fact, one of the only ones that rival it is Call of Duty. So you can imagine that Activision Blizzard uh, get almost all of their money, really, like they get almost all of their income from Call of Duty alone. In fact, in a report from last year, it was estimated that, I believe, Call of Duty and Call of Duty Mobile and Candy Crush Saga, or whichever the main Candy Crush game is, netted, <laughs> I believe, I'm going off memory here, I believe it was over 50% of all the revenue Activision Blizzard made that year. Just those two mobile games, not even counting the main games. Of course, the main Call of Duty games, a handful of other games, of course, punched close or did better, but, um, but the two mobile games made that much money. Microsoft doesn't really have a f pulse on mobile stuff other than with Minecraft. So, once this deal goes through, folks, Microsoft Xbox will own, as a first party, Halo, obviously, Forza, right? Gears of War, Minecraft, Elder Scrolls, Fallout, Doom, Wolfenstein, any Arcane Studio thing, Dishonor, Deathloop, whichever. Um, and Call of Duty, Candy Crush, Overwatch, Diablo, World of Warcraft. Just to name a few. That's not even all of them. They own way more than that. That's fucking... Massive. So currently, they're under. They've been under investigations. In March, they kicked off their SEC investigation. Passed that, just fine. But there was proper reason for everybody to be suspicious and look in. Is this a monopoly, or is this just too much capital, or is you know what's going on here? Let's make sure this is a safe thing and is better for the consumers. And let's make Microsoft hold promise on that, right? Let's establish that precedent. That's a good thing. I don't care where you stand politically. I don't care what you think about video games and capitalism. But I will say, we almost everyone's a consumer. That's just how our economy works. You want consumer rights and you want those protected by your legislators, by your uh, enforcement, by any kind of process possible to keep you as a consumer safe financially and for other purposes. It's vital. It's what allows quality of a product, and especially in the case of video games. Video games is kind of this uncharted territory, if you haven't noticed, where quality assurance is varying. And it's not actually a guarantee, and there's no enforcement to it from a legal government body standpoint. Especially in America. In fact, most games that are sold and published or made in America have the issue. I mean, not to say that other countries and games, but for one, America is the largest developer of video games. By a long, long, long margin. Like, there's not even a close race for mainstream marketable games. But here's the thing. There's not enough legislation policies, practices, and, and consumer rights protections in the video game market. 
not to say you're not protected at all. You still have some rights as a consumer. You still do get a product. You still can refund. You still, right? There's still means to, but it's not very good. And because video games are so dynamic and have so many variables at play, you you won't know. Films have a lot of this in place. You have to present that film. You has to be that runtime, this, that, and the other. Doesn't necessarily mean it's going to be great. But when you buy a ticket for a movie, you're seeing the movie. You're not just going to go there thinking you're watching a two-hour movie or a 90-minute movie, a comedy about this. You watch the trailer, you know the title, you're looking forward to it, you know it's got these actors. You're not going to go there, buy that exact ticket, knowing, you know, that's the right movie, go into the theater, and then see a completely different movie. Where maybe it's somewhat a comedy, somewhat that premise, but it's 45 minutes and doesn't have those actors. They can't do that. First of all, it wouldn't be made or finished, and then they couldn't, even if it was somehow to fuck with people, they couldn't sell it. That's just the industry, and it's also certain policies in place to protect you as a consumer. It sounds ridiculous, right? For me to even bring that up, you're like, well, of course not. It's not even possible for a movie. But it is for a video game. I know video games have more variables, and it's not that simple, but... When you buy a video game... With the same knowledge you get as, like, a movie. Gameplay trailers, general overviews, glimpses, maybe cast, whatever. And you buy it a couple months before it comes out, you pre-order it. Or you buy it when it comes out, and you watch the reviews. Just do that, and you'll avoid this problem. Watch reviewers who are honest and not paid by the company. A lot of them are, though, so it's tricky. And... You may not get the game that was promised, that was advertised, that was marketed. The game that you bought in on. Especially public companies, they can't do that because what they pitch to the public, they're pitching to their shareholders. Their stock value. That is a blanketed safety net. Here's the kind of the issue, though. They can wiggle out of that to say, well... We're going to cut some of these mechanics back, but hold on, don't be mad at us yet. Invest more, because what we're doing is we're replacing them with mechanics that it actually makes more money for the game, a.k.a. puts more money in your pocket. That's the huge downside to it. However, the general upside is they can't just completely 180 and not do what they said they were going to do, not do what their shareholders invested in, because one, that jeopardizes their stock, which is their lifeline of the company, and two, it just hurts their credibility. So, in the in the sense of a public company, they can't get away with as much. I think that's kind of a reason why you see actual better optimization and performance from a Call of Duty game than what you get from a Bethesda game. Bethesda games could be running on this old-ass engine, struggling. Even though COD does too, COD does a better job. You know... And new Elder Scrolls could be buggy as shit. It's a private company. They don't actually have to promise anything to shareholders like that. They don't have to promise a bar of quality or consistency that Activision Blizzard may be obligated to have to promise. And they wouldn't have the SEC or any other kind of financial or business, better business bureau knocking at their door waiting to put a put them in the crosshairs. 
Not to say they couldn't knock down Bethesda's door, but it'd be a much, much more difficult process because they're a private company. I'm not a business major, but there's some small mechanics in play that really do affect the difference in quality, the difference in approach of consumerism and general pr practices. But video games as a whole doesn't have a lot of safety nets. There isn't a law in America that says you have to provide this amount. You have to provide 75% of what your advertised game is unless you say otherwise. Now, of course, video games change over time, so you don't want that to stifle the better decisions that could be made. More so, you just have to make sure the general quality is there. The amount of bugs. I don't know. There's probably some better mechanical game developer lingo that could better define rule sets and general compliances that they have to reach. It's just like cooking. Guys, cooking is so diverse and variable, and everyone has a different sense of flavor and, and opinion on food. So it's kind of hard to get an idea of the safety of the product and the general um, delivery of said product. But there is a system. I don't quite know how it works, but I do know there's a general public safety uh, thing. You know, food is one of those things you really need it for, too, for sanitation and, and contamination and quality of of the products, especially when it's animal-based. And then, um, so the general safety of you consuming that food is there. And then, of course, consumer value, too. So anyway, I just think that's one of those things that we need in video games more and more as, as these acquisitions happen. General pr practices and protections and policies. If I was a radical leader and I could, there are some things I would do. First being, uh, if the game is multi-platform, it has to either plan, start, or have at launch and guarantee crossplay. Seems ridiculous, but I think it's just better for everyone. Makes it more accessible, makes it more consumer friendly. Uh, here's another one I'd throw out there. I don't know. Maybe there are rules like this already. There are some. There, I'm not saying it's a completely lawless area. There is definitely a lot of rules and regulations in video game development, and there is consumer regulations and stuff, just not as many as I would like to see for protecting consumer rights. Here's another one. Video games can't be... Their prices have to be within this range or not higher than this, not exceeding this, not even for a deluxe bundle edition, whatever. Um, micro uh, microtransactions can only take up this amount of percentage of the game's main content, right? Smaller percent, you know, stuff like that. Uh, network reliability and stability has to be ensured this percentage amount. It's not going to be perfect, but like 75, 60% of the time it has to be reliable and insured, or if it can't be, have processes that can quickly keep it going. These are general consumer practice policies, right? To protect the affordability, to protect the accessibility and the integration, and to protect the network optimization. Games have to have this, can't have more than this many bugs and can't have as many of this game-breaking bugs. Whatever, whatever the process may be, that will be beneficial to the consumer. I wish we saw more of that. So in this private V public deal, there is that big difference, right? 
And in the course of three or four months, not only did Bethesda fully go through and all that was good, and it didn't take as long, you saw the games trickle into the Game Pass ecosystem. Microsoft Activision is still in the process of figuring it all out. It is not a done deal yet, but it's getting further and further. SEC's already approved it. I think actually everything in America has already approved it, which is usually the hardest hurdle. Now they just have to go across the globe because Call of Duty is the largest global video game franchise of all time. So every other country and their legislation, which are actually more strict for video game protection, to make sure they're not a monopoly, to make sure they're not going to abuse their uh, power, and to make sure they're not going to stifle or hurt consumers or creators. Now... From what it seems, everything's good. Like, there's nothing that should be able to legitimately stop Microsoft from this acquisition. Because everything they're doing is above the board, above the line, high quality, keeping it consistent, keeping it fair, all of that good consumer practice. And it, they're not a monopoly. Yeah, they're much bigger and they're much closer to one. And it's still a risk, regardless if they're actually classified as a monopoly, but they're not. They don't own... The majority. In fact, they're still, even after this deal goes through, they're still not the biggest. PlayStation doubled their sales in consoles compared to Xbox. PlayStation still has exclusives, sells a fuck ton of money and people. Nintendo can't sleep on them. And other independent things. Meta, Apple, everyone else has a cut, a slice of it. Yeah, Microsoft, Sony, Nintendo, they have the biggest but they're still the three biggest. So, it's not really just about like how much content you own. Video games can, new franchises and shit can be started up. It's how many users, how many consumers you have in your ecosystem. A lot more with this Call of Duty stuff and Candy Crush. It does make them, this, if you're buying one singular place, one singular publisher developer combo that's the one that's the source activision blizzard if you could buy that that would be the one you'd want holy fuck you'll never need to worry about i mean they don't need to worry about it again you you win you win every fight you're in <laughs> people buy call of duty annually they don't even think about it it's not like you're buying a studio that needs to make new fresh games all activision blizzard needs to do is make a call of duty and a candy crush Keep those updated and consistent. Hopefully improve and make it better and make new games and bring old games and the IP to life. All that good stuff too, but th that's all they really need. It's the most powerful play you'll ever see in a long time. So let's get into what Sony's... Uh, let's get into some of the allegations, some of the gossip. Sony is the biggest proponent at actually trying to slow this down now. They are the only one of all the video game... Publishers, developers, all the big ones who is actively against this. Everyone else is either trepidatious or just like, okay, it's fine. Or some people are pro for this. Sony is the only one that isn't saying it's inherently the worst thing ever and isn't saying it's unlawful or unjust. Uh, They're not being idiots. Sony is very smart. But they are saying it's unfair to Sony, which they do get to speak on. So let's get into that and some more. Stay around. This is a much longer episode than I anticipated, but I appreciate everybody who's come by and who's support and who's sticking around and listening. I hope you find this information uh, helpful or entertaining or at least somewhat interesting at any rate. Um, so 
Sony is causing a muck, right? Microsoft is bouncing pretty quick. In fact, the, there are rumors that they could be done before the end of this year. That's a rumor. I don't, I, I have no idea. <laughs> it's, that's really hard to tell. This thing just generally takes this long. In fact, it's such a big acquisition, the fact that they even think they can have it done by June 2023 is impressive, um, but, but somewhat reasonable. Having it done within this year, when they announced it, and it's not even through, halfway through the year, folks, they only have a few months. And I don't think Activision Blizzard is really speeding up or trying to make this process easy. Not that they don't want to be sold. Clearly, they've already, they've already agreed to it. So Activision, the heads of Activision already agreed to it. As did the board. Or whatever's in charge. And, some of the, and enough of the shareholders and investors. Which allowed Microsoft to announce it as a green light. We're, we're good on the, our deal. They inked it with Activision. I mean, that's the first hurdle. If they say no, it doesn't fucking happen. <laughs> they don't sell, right? If you don't have the capital, and if you don't... I mean, that's actually it. I mean, I guess they could have done a, a hostile takeover, but it's it's not. it doesn't seem like it's a hostile takeover. But I guess maybe it is. Maybe I'm getting my terminology mixed up. It could be. It just doesn't seem like a hostile takeover. Activision stock dipped... But they are a public company. Anyone could buy them. They're just too expensive and not worth the trouble. But their stock dipped so tremendously. We're talking like 100 points. <laughs> that it finally made it actually feasible. Like at, I think it's $98 a share. Was the buying price for Microsoft. When it's usually like almost $200 a share. On a good year. So almost half their, you know, they're almost worth, I think they're almost worth between 130 and $150 billion at any given point. That is something that no one's going to purchase, right? You're just that big. Like, no one's going to really purchase Microsoft anytime soon. But if their stock drops that much in a couple years, right? It was a three- to four-year process of, of Activision's Blizzard stock dipping so low, Yes, it bounced back up when things were successful, but when it dipped low, it sunk further each time. So, I guess Microsoft just said, you know what, we got to invest in Game Pass. They have, they have enough capital as is. They saw the stock dip. They're like, this is a once-in-a-lifetime opportunity. But it still takes months and months to plan and negotiate and forecast and get all that out of the way and get that ready. But by the time they announced it in January, it's green light from Activision. Then in February... Activision ran it across the shareholders and board one more time just to say, okay, are you sure we're good for this? Because if anyone has objections, you can speak now, and this could be halted, slowed down, or completely stopped. And they all cleared it. So, bam, that was the first hurdle, then SEC, and I believe they cleared it pretty quickly within like a, by the end of March. And then FTC, Federal Trade Commission, they also... in in conjunction with SEC, after SEC did some investigating, FTC did their report, and they couldn't find any legal claims to block it, which is really, that's all they're there for, from my understanding. Like I said, I'm not a legal expert. I'm not a business major. I'm not a business expert. I'm just going off of the few things I've learned and for what I do understand. So then they cleared it. 
that's kind of it, people. In America, that's really the hurdle. Now, mind you, that kind of acquisition, to get the shareholders on board, to not have the company or anyone else pull out or lose the capital is hard enough. Then, on top of that, to have the SEC and the FTC not throw too many hurdles or approve it isn't an easy task, but it's not the hardest task either. Then it goes to the other courts that have a lot of say or buy power from Activision, right? Other countries that have purchasing shares and power within Activision or that are directly affected from a consumer standpoint. England. England was one of those places that really, really halted this process, it seemed, but they got through that pretty quickly. Now, litigation's in Brazil, which I had no fucking idea that that would even happen. So, it's making its rounds. It looks like it's been rumored that they're actually in the final phases of closing the deal fully. Which, by the way, when they close the deal fully, that's great. That means it's theirs. There's nothing that happens until then. I don't think they're allowed to transition anything yet unless Activision decides to, on their own merits, prepare for the integration. Why would they? They have enough on their plate right now with the lawsuits and the new COD, the new Warzone, and maybe, and if you don't know for sure, why would you finesse everything to be prepared to be uh, merged or acquired when you when it's not a given? So... The process from that point on, once the deal lands and goes through, and trust me, when that happens, I'm going to be shitting bricks and talking to you all about it. Because I'm an Xbox Game Pass owner, I'm a big fan of Xbox, and I like what they've been doing. I hate where Activision Blizzard's been going these past few years, so I am excited for this change. And I do hope the best for everybody involved personally, for their work and for their better health, and of course I hope the best for the consumer market. So I am looking forward to this going through. Sony, however, is not. <laughs> Rightfully so. Let's just take a step back. I am not here to take sides in the console war, right? Like I said, I own a Game Pass uh, subscription. I've had Xbox all my life. But I have nothing against Sony. I love Sony for what they are. I love for what they do. I would have a PlayStation if I could, folks. I would. I just decided to invest in a PC. Because I saw PlayStation games were coming there anyway, and I wanted the PC... Uh, a slice of the game um, market. So that's all. If I become rich, bet your ass I'm buying a PlayStation. I want those exclusives. I want to be part of that system. It looks dope. They got some really cool things going for them. So I have no problem with that. I'm just more versed in Xbox stuff. And I am, and I will always be biased towards that. I will favor Xbox things. If I was a Sony person, this deal would be a little more sour to me. Still very impressive, but a lot scarier. So I am putting myself in Sony's position, in Sony players' positions. I empathize with that because I have been in that position as an Xbox player. It's a very unfortunate thing where we have exclusive things and we have these deals that directly affect our ability to play games the way we want to play them. It's a shame. I'm not really for it, but Sony's been making dope exclusives on franchisable AP, IP that should have, would have, or could have been elsewhere. Not everything. I get it. God of War, Last of Us, those kinds of things. You know, Uncharted. Perfectly fine to be in the Sony ecosystem. I mean, we have Forza and Halo and Gears of War. Like, I get it. You know, Hellblade and 
Horizon Zero. Like, I mean, you're going to have your exclusives. I mean, for fuck's sake, look at Nintendo. But here's the problem. Here's what started hurting me. Is when certain games seem very, very applicable to be put on all kinds of platforms. And I'm like, why not? If Sony owns them, why wouldn't they do that? Wouldn't they just make more money? <laughs> why would they do that? That's a stupid question. They would do that so more people go to buy PlayStation. Duh. I didn't budge. I just suffered through it. Ghost of Tsushima. Spider-Man. The way Sony treats Spider-Man makes me want to punch them in the face. I don't think they've done Spider-Man justice. I think they've made great content with Spider-Man. I'm not saying that. I just think the way that they allow other people to interact with Spider-Man is ridiculous. From movie rights to video game rights, it's bonkers. <laughs> Spider-Man's one of those things that should be available to all people. Microsoft had the good intention when they bought Minecraft to not make it console exclusive. They understood how many kids play that, for one, how many people enjoy to play that, how many people have already been playing that for almost a decade when they bought it, and how, or five years, I guess, and um, just how lucrative it is. So they said, yeah, let's just keep it on all platforms. It's on Windows. It's on Mac. It's on PlayStation. It's on Xbox. It's on this and that. Sony doesn't do that, folks. Sony's business model has been shown in the light for the past week. Of this week, we have been seeing more punching and fighting between Microsoft and Sony than I think we have ever seen. Yeah, they're natural competitors. Yes, they respect each other as artists. And yes, the fan bases shouldn't get too involved in this because we are just consumers of a product that we have. That's it. If you had $500 to spend and you didn't need to spend it anywhere else, and you could buy the other console, all of a sudden, it doesn't fucking matter, does it? Right? So don't be taking sides of these companies unless, of course, you work there. Of course you're biased to it. I am too. I'm going to side with Microsoft more because I actually agree with their practices and policies and their direction more as a whole, as a philosophy. I just like it more for where it stands right now. Can't say where it'll go in the future, but for right now, I like it. And on top of that, I benefit from it. So, of course, I'm going to advocate for that, right? So, obviously, I understand some people are going to take sides. But just know, when you are not the person in charge or an employee there, it ain't worth dying on that hill. You know? It's not worth it. So, here's Sony's problem. And it's a reasonable one. Sony, well, first of all, Sony's system, their infrastructure is exclusives. It has been since uh, PS4 came out. Mind you, that was before any streaming games. That was before the industry changed as much as it did, right? So at this rate, the way Sony's thinking is, and it's still a very viable option. Of course, they're selling units like fucking hotcakes. They dominated the previous eight years, folks. They are on top right now. They still are. But it's shifting. And it's shifting because Microsoft switched directions and instead of fighting the same exact fight Sony's fighting, they said, uh, let's pivot. Microsoft stopped thinking about the now and what's in front of them, which was killing them, because they already fucking botched the launch. They didn't have enough rights or exclusives all of a sudden. And even when they did, they were poorly received. So nothing was going their way, and the hardware was comparable. comparable. And that was it. Yes, 
Xbox and PlayStation are very similar in hardware design. So it's really just the UI, where your friends are, where your games are. That's really also what matters and affects people's uh, purchase if they already have a console. And what games are you going to look forward to? What games can you get on that console you can't get on the other one? That is the reason why they do what they do, and that's the reason why there is a war in the first place, because of exclusives. There are games no one else can play unless they own that hardware and own that service and are part of that ecosystem. That's a perfectly natural part of the gaming industry. I don't always agree with it, but it's there, and it's fine in certain aspects. But when it gets too much, it gets too much. Sony dominated because they not only had really cool ideas and franchises that were exclusive, they just made kick-ass games that were exclusive. Microsoft had a few. They were kick-ass. That was it. Like, uh, we're talking five. Sony had like 30. You see the difference? It was, it's been very tempting. Of course, they fumbled and fluttered and fucked up here and there, but for the most part, they won double the amount of console sales that Microsoft had. Microsoft was at a near 60 million. Sony was at 115 million. So almost double in console sales for a reason in an eight-year span. Now, since 2020, the new consoles came out on top of COVID. <clears throat> Too hard to tell right now. No one can even get a fucking console. There's still a console work. Don't be mistaken. But I think in February, series Xbox sold more consoles. And then in like March, Sony sold more. So it's actually really going back and forth. It's a tit for tat this time around, which is nice to see. It's a good change. It's more fair. Sorry, my dog's looking at me. Oh, he's so cute. Anyway, and distracting. Come on, Bo, I'm trying to finish a podcast here. So, yeah, uh, that's that's the console exclusive, exclusive exclusivity I cannot say that word I don't know why they're just certain you know how like I know how to spell it I know how to say it properly but my tongue's like eh, eh, fuck it give up um so that's Sony's infrastructure that's how they do shit and it works really really well and of course with this PS5 generation they won the PS4 generation so easily that they don't, probably didn't even think they had to restructure things and I I'm telling you right now, they genuinely didn't pay attention to this Game Pass thing. They were not looking at the signs, and I'm not saying that they don't have some of the more advanced people who are probably looking at their competition closely, better than I am, but they didn't think it was going to be as successful as it was. No one really did, but after the first year to two years of Game Pass being out, I think it's been out for three and a half years now, after the first year, year and a half, you start realizing its actual dollar potential. And any consumer does the math and like, okay, well, this is a no-brainer. <laughs> and then once they bundled it with your gold, so you're paying an annual or monthly fee, you get more out of Game Pass, and it keeps it the same rate as gold, so you're not paying for two things separately. <laughs> well, I mean, come on now. And as they've been expanding and improving the library and the consistency and all these other features that come with it, it, if you have an Xbox or even a PC, but that's a little harder of an argument, but if you have an Xbox and you don't have Game Pass, you are fucking up massively. You are wasting the one 
reason why you should have Xbox. And that's the difference now. The difference with Xbox is not exclusives. And if you do not realize that, and if you're still arguing for exclusives, leave that boat because it's sinking. It sunk a few years ago. In fact, it sunk in 2017, 2018, and Microsoft abandoned ship and turned it. And they've been turning it, and they've been changing their entire infrastructure. Yes, they're still going to have exclusives. Yes, they're going to be dope. Yeah, they're going to be console sellers. But that's not their priority anymore. Microsoft realized with the infrastructure, like I mentioned earlier, this engineering standpoint, servers and such, they don't need to sell consoles. They need to sell subscriptions. That's where Sony's losing their fucking shit. Because they're, they're losing their goddamn mind because for the past eight years, they've been fighting a good fight that they've been consistently knocking the shit out of Microsoft with, with exclusives. We have this game, you don't, $60, there we go, boom, and that person wanted that exclusive or one of these 10, 20 exclusives is usually the reason, and they bought a $500 console on top of that, and they bought the PSN subscription, bam, we're winning. Duh, that is winning. They did win. But that fight is over. And they didn't realize it was over. Not quick enough. They now finally are figuring it out. Proof of their new PlayStation uh, subscription service. Similar to Game Pass, but not as good. They just released it last month. Two years behind Microsoft. That's going to cost them. So they're not really worried about it. And so here's the thing. Here's what PlayStation's arguing. They're saying, first off, them buying Activision Blizzard is way too big of a purchase. By the way, PlayStation struck an exclusive deal with Activision Blizzard. So all Call of Duty's betas, open betas, extra modes, and DLC are cheaper or come first to PlayStation. They had a deal. This is fucking ludicrous, people. They had a deal where there's an entire mode, entire fleshed out game mode within Call of Duty and all, or when there is one, that is exclusive to PlayStation for only a limited time, right? A timed exclusive is what that's called. Here's the problem. CODs are only popular and out really for a year and then the new one drops so no one gives a shit. They had one year exclusives on certain game modes. So yeah those modes open up after a year, no one's playing that game anymore. <laughs> so they couldn't get in trouble for doing that. And also, that's fucking bonkers. Of course that helped push people to stay on PlayStation or sell more PlayStation consoles. Because not only do they get all these exclusives, but COD, the single most popular video game on Earth, will give you an extra game mode. You'll get to play it two weeks early in the beta and get some extra features and gizmos and gadgets and shit in-game. If you're playing it on PlayStation, that's all you have to do. <laughs> so now PlayStation is freaking the fuck out because Microsoft will very soon possibly own it outright, not have an agreement where they have an exclusive deal. They just own Call of Duty. Now here's what Microsoft has said time and time again, and they've been supporting the statement. This is their claim, and I am, I'm going to hold them to this, and if they don't follow this, I'm going to fucking be pissed. Because I don't actually think Call of Duty should be an exclusive. They have said that for the next three COD games, whichever those may be, or the next three years, I don't know if it was three years or three COD games, 
I'm getting that info mixed up. It's one or the other, but it's three. The next three of whatever relating to Call of Duty will keep all previous agreements with PlayStation, including that stupid extra game mode and early beta, including this Modern Warfare 2. That's the start of that. So if you notice, PlayStation gets this new Modern Warfare 2 uh, beta a week before the other beta. Okay, who cares? Anyway, um, so all those deals stand for the next three years till that contract expires, till that license expires. That's fine. Which also means those games will, PlayStation will continuously get COD games. That's what they said initially in like January or February. Kind of leaving room open, scaring them, I think. And since then, I think in last week, Phil Spencer reiterated and said, and as well as their head of marketing and one of their engineers, they said, we plan and intend on keeping Call of Duty multi-platform for the foreseeable future. They're not going to make any guarantees or absolutes. You don't do that when you're talking business on a public forum because you don't know what will change. But, And by the way, when they own Call of Duty, once that deal goes through, if it goes through, they have any right... They have the right to do whatever the fuck they want with it. Blizzard and Activision did too. They just wanted to make more money, so they put it on all kinds of consoles. It's just a no-brainer. When you pay that much money, you need to make that much money back eventually. Why would Microsoft logically, from a logical standpoint, why the fuck would they cut that amount of revenue from the PlayStation base? That's so much money. That's... 60 or 70 dollars times a near 60 to 70 million people buying the game. Right? We're talking about 60 or 70 percent of the people who buy COD. Um, that's the COD is the highest selling PlayStation game. It's higher than any of their exclusives, it's higher than any game on PlayStation. It's the highest selling game every year. And I think they said it takes over 60 to 70 percent of all their sales in a year. Right, so you, roughly, I mean, this isn't the exact math, but $60 at, what, they sold 120 million units, maybe some change, so $60 at, let's just say 60% for the sake of argument, I think it's actually 70, but let's lowball it, $60, or 70 now, now the games are $70, $70 times 60 million, I don't have my calculator on me, I cannot do that math in my head, but I will tell you that's a metric fuck ton of money. Why would they give that up annually? How does that make any sense? That's free money. They're just printing money at that point. That's partially the reason why they bought the company. They're like, oh, you make this much money here on a bad year? Okay. Well, we're going to do that and make sure every year is a good year. <laughs> now, they may not drop annually. In fact, that's not the plan. So there will be some changes. So you might be thinking, well, Cy, that's all well and good, but then... What's the fucking point of them buying the biggest game franchise of all time? Yes, there's other incredible franchises. Diablo, Overwatch, uh, World of Warcraft, also very huge in their own respect. You know, There's a bunch of other games in the Activision library that can be brought up and do make good money and do uh, help the brand and help everybody. I'm not neglecting those. I'm just talking about the heavy hitter that's scaring everybody, which is Call of Duty. Um, so you might be thinking, well, Sai... Why would they buy that much other than the other IP and the assets and all that, right? But why would they buy, I mean, clearly a lot of their money is investing in COD. Why would they do that if they don't think 
if they don't plan on, you know, doing exactly what PlayStation's doing. Because they could, after that contract expires, once it's legal to do so, once that contract expires, they could, and they still can. Like, if they buy a company, regardless of what their word is, they shouldn't. It wouldn't be good. But they could, even though they say they won't, they could very well just make COD completely exclusive to Xbox PC. You know how many people are forced to now have Windows or Xbox? Oh my god. They will almost, within the course of a year, win the console war. Everybody will buy an Xbox. Doesn't mean they will stop playing PlayStation. It just really fucking means that a lot of people who want to play Call of Duty will go there. It's too risky. COD is great, but it's kind of one of those things that's Stockholm syndrome you know? There are some great COD games. It's very worth the money at times, but other times... People are just kind of stuck in the loop. Oh, I got to buy COD this year. It's another year. Give them one legitimate reason to stop doing that, and they break free of that cycle, and they realize, ah, there's other better games out there for my time and money. That's one risk. The other risk is just being a dick. Nobody wants that. You just immediately cut COD's player base by a metric fuck ton. Crossplay out the window. Not going to be as efficient anymore because it's not as prioritized. And they don't make as much money. Or do they? That's really dependent on how many people they think can actually convert to Xbox and buy Game Pass, buy a console, all that. Not to say they couldn't do it. Not to say they wouldn't sell like a fuck ton. Enough to probably recoup. But it's not a good long-term investment. I think that's the biggest difference you see. Sony is working in two to four year increments. Microsoft's working in a decades long increment. Everything Microsoft's doing right now is for 2030, not for 2024, 2028. Everything Sony's doing is for 2024, 2028, in my opinion, considering we're talking about when they started the new console cycle of 2020. So, yeah, that's where I'm at with that. Um, Sony is scared. Now, Microsoft has said this, and this is the biggest thing I want you to take away from this. Microsoft has said, and this is the thing that I suggested you know i said earlier i had to cut my podcast because a whole segment like this one sorry this is so long for one segment without a break but the reason why i cut it is because i was saying well it would just be wise if microsoft did this and then they announced that's exactly what they're going to do here's what they're going to do they're not going to make cod exclusive that doesn't seem profitable they're going to keep it on every platform it's already on and maybe then some maybe expand it even more I'm hoping a VR COD. Anyway, here's what they're going to do. The only thing they're going to do after the three years is up, or even... Actually, this is still fine. They can do this regardless of the three-year contract, which is why it works. Nothing goes exclusive. It's just free when you have Game Pass. Mic drop. That's it. That's all you need. Remember, Game Pass has a thing called Day One Installs, and for every first-party Xbox game that's new, the day it releases, any Game Pass owner, subscriber, can download it for no additional price. I should say, it's not free. You're paying either 10 or $15 a month. So, don't just think you download it free because you have an Xbox. It's not a games with gold. Well, even that wasn't free. You had to have a gold subscription. Nothing's free in this world. There's always a price to it. It's not free. It's just not $70. It's $15 a month for as long as you pay $15 a month. Here's the thing, though. You might think, well, if you're only getting COD, do the math, 12 months and 15, you're actually paying double as much as you would just buy it for COD. 
if you don't buy any microtransactions or any season passes, right? $70 for a new COD game. Uh, you're paying for a little over double. $10 for 12 months is 120 Plus with other Game Pass tiers and stuff, you could be paying up to 180 If you're only doing it for a COD game a year, you're not using Game Pass properly. Microsoft doesn't care. They're making double the amount of money they would. Now, of course, they're not solely making that money. Of course, you know, it's distributing cut up, but so is any kind of game sale. Um, but here's the thing, folks. You don't buy Game Pass for one game. And if you do, you're doing it wrong. You buy Game Pass for three or four games that you try or play consistently within a month. If you do that, you immediately make all the money you would have spent on those two to four games in one month. You make all the money back in one month for a year's worth of purchases. Let's do the math here real quick. I've already discussed this before. Let's say $60. Let's not worry about the $70 shit. I don't even understand how they're still pushing that on people. But regardless, let's just go with 60 okay? For Game Pass Ultimate, I believe it's $180. And that gives you Xbox Gold, all the premium. That gives you Xbox Game Pass, xCloud, back compat cloud automatic cloud save for your data that already comes with regardless of what you have um it also gives you uh ea play and it gives you perks bonuses like three months of spotify four you know spotify premium four months of youtube premium whatever three months of disney plus all these kinds of things in-game microtransactions and currencies and extra bonus packs and cosmetics some cool stuff Always worth checking out. If you have Game Pass Ultimate, um, go check out your perks. Make sure you're not missing anything. You can find there's sometimes some good, good, some really nice goodies in there. Uh, so anyway, let's do the math. Well, let's see. In the past three months, just speaking for myself. I'll do the past three months because I, I take time with games. I've been playing Elden Ring and some other shit. I've downloaded a four, three, three, three or four brand spanking new Game Pass games. Uh, the Ascent. Not brand spanking new. I guess the Ascent isn't new. Some of them were new which can change the price, of course. Sniper Elite 5, Ascent, Trek to Yomi, Turbo Golf Kart Racing, whatever. There's one other one. I don't even remember that. But those four alone, uh, going off their standard price, Trek to Yomi's 20, Tur Turbo Golf Kart 20, right? Those are cheap games anyway. Um, what was the other one I was saying? Uh... Oh, the Ascent, I think that's 30 so 20 to 40 70 We're already at $70, the price of one brand new game. And then Sniper Elite 5 is a brand new game. That was 60 That is just for four games, and I haven't even played them that much. I played them a little bit. I installed some of them. I've installed new ones. I've tried some new stuff. I tried... Uh, Plants vs. Zombies Garden Warfare. I wanted to see what it was all about. Well, that's a $50 game. 
Um, I tried it for a couple days. One my thing. Oh well. Oh, I also do- oh yeah no I I uh, downloaded uh, Elder Scrolls Online. Not really my thing, but I see the value in it. I see why other people like it. That's a sixty dollar game still. I think with all the DLC and shit. Just for uh, maybe it's fifty. Anyway, my point is that the amount of games that I have installed and tried and played, and some some of them become my favorite games, or I've played a fuck ton, that really makes it worth the investment. Um, if you don't try out games, if you only have a console to play the new Madden and the new COD, do not buy Game Pass. It's not for you. However, if you play video games consistently, if you experiment, and if you don't want to lose off, fuck ton of money every time you want to try a new game get game pass i have bought like just fully without using my game pass i have bought like four games this year hell let loose elden ring obviously uh and two oculus games it was great i've saved so much money because of game pass I've had a lot of fun. It allows that low barrier of entry. It allows that kind of play. That's what Sony's scared about. Welcome back, ladies and gentlemen. Hope you're all doing well. So that last topic pretty much covered it with Game Pass. But, you know, that's what it is all about. That's the idea. If Xbox buys Call of Activision, sorry, and all of their stuff goes to... Not exclusive, right? That doesn't actually... Everyone's like, well, obviously they're going to do that after the three COD games. I don't see that. I mean, I keep hearing people say, well, they wouldn't buy a $70 billion company and not make them exclusive. What? (laughs) They'll mix and match. There's enough properties within that title to do that. Like, what are you talking about? I mean, seriously? Are you shitting me? Who really thinks they're going to just do that and make it all exclusive? They lose money long-term, not short-term. Short-term, they make a metric fuck ton doing that. So short-term-wise, it works, but they don't do short-term. Have you not? Has no one realized this? It's driving me nuts when I see this. Mobile game market. We also have to talk about that. I mentioned that briefly. Candy Crush and COD Mobile single-handedly contributed to more gross, more revenue and profits last year 2021 for activision blizzard then all of the other sales combined and the majority of that is in thanks to cod mobile and candy crush but all their mobile games as a whole that's how lucrative that is so they're going to be making money no problem the question is what do they do to strengthen the community like i said i really think they are going to do what they said they're going to do it makes most sense to me Keep it full price everywhere. Multi-plat, cross-play, everything we expect from COD, and hopefully better down the line. And free, day one, Game Pass. That makes the most sense to me. In fact, if they don't do that, I'm going to be very, very surprised. They're going to piss off their own fan base, which you don't want to do. If they pulled a Sony and said, oh, it's $70, which they shouldn't raise the price. They should keep it 60 I know this new Modern Warfare is 70, but that's because Activision Blizzard is still them. They're not owned by Microsoft. So, not counting that, but once and if they acquire them, why would they? Why would they take a 60 or $70 sale point out of PlayStation? Why would they 
just it's throwing away money. They would only do that if they could guarantee all or enough of those people would come over to Xbox and be in their ecosystem. If they knew that or were more confident in that, they would absolutely do it. But it would have to be three COD games later, and you know that three or more years in games can change the landscape. I mean, look at how fast Battle Royales took off. Not saying COD would become irrelevant. In fact, COD is probably going to have a renewed sense of life. I'm interested. I think this new COD will sell really well because of this um, acquisition, as well as just the game itself. We'll see. I hope it's good. So, but Candy Crush is not to be slept on. Diablo 4? And that's, see, so that's the other thing. There are so many Activision Blizzard properties. Some of them are going to be multi-plat. Warzone, I think COD will, and be day one game pass for uh, Xbox, and that's the benefit you get. That's all you need. You don't have to pay $70 when this game comes out. PlayStation will, but they still get to have it. In fact, they get to have it the same way they had it last year, and the year before, and the year before. It's no different. In fact, it may be better because the games may be better. And the way the developers are treated is better. So that could only be better, right? Well, of course, once you know the other side's getting it for no additional cost other than their monthly uh, subscription, which a lot of PlayStation players are already play- paying a monthly subscription to either be online and play COD or to have the, the their version of uh, Game Pass. And PlayStation's come out saying they're not going to have day one releases of new games like that, even if they're first party. I get it, like, if that's how Xbox started, I would still be okay if some of the other games later in a few months were streaming. It's still worth the value, because I'll be playing some games I didn't buy initially and still save all that money. But now, now that I've had it for day one stream, I won't want to go back. You couldn't tell me if Xbox ever cuts that, then we're in trouble. And that's that's the fear, right? When one company if they change hands if phil spencer decides to step down and some dick like who doesn't know what they're doing like a new bobby Kotick takes over uh it's a lot of trouble right now hopefully the infrastructure and the general ethos of xbox is permanently reformed to be more consumer friendly but nothing is anti-competition like sony's claiming it to be sony practices the harshest anti-competition and exclusive um, licensing in video games, some of the hardest ball, hardball game tactics I've ever seen or heard of. So I, I really don't see how Xbox, how Microsoft is being anti-competitive or anti-consumer friendly. I just don't see that. Game Pass is ridiculously cheap. They're keeping COD multi-platform. They're putting it on Game Pass Day 1 so it's free for all of their users, which is in their right if they own the company. Hell, they could they could make it exclusive after the contract ends. Will they get sued to high heaven? Yes. But, like I said earlier, PlayStation has an exclusive deal, and it still does, with Activision Blizzard currently, where there's a whole new game mode that no one else gets unless you have PlayStation. 
for a whole year, which of course makes that obsolete for anybody who wants to ever play it. You have to have a PlayStation, essentially, because it's an annual game. No one plays it after a year. That's the other thing I hope to see God change. This whole annual shit makes it harder and harder. Now, if it's day one free install, that annual stuff doesn't hurt as much, but still... Why? Modern Warfare 2019 was such a good game. If they just kept a continuous drip feed of new content, new maps, new guns, new some new modes, some new updates and improvements, that game could have been here till now. We didn't need Vanguard and Cold War. I do appreciate the zombies return. I don't appreciate what Vanguard did with it. So yeah, there's some benefits, but th stuff like that. Diablo 4 I'm super excited for. I do hope they do well with that. They've had enough time, right? You would think. Hopefully that all goes well. Hopefully. It's hard. It's hard to say where the where the markets will go. But streaming games is the future. Sony will eventually figure out day one streaming for free. No additional cost is viable. They have to. It's part of the adaptation. Xbox 360 was very game-focused, game-centric. Had some great exclusives, had some great franchises, and had some great third parties that became exclusives or that primarily was advertised and marketed on the 360, right? Even if they were multi-plat. They lost touch with that. They wanted to focus on the multimedia aspect, the all-in-one box that can do it all, and in, and game, when it should have been, this is a gaming machine, and it has these features. They just flipped the prioritization, which you don't think is a big deal until you realize stuff like that. When you realize that Discovery Plus, who the fuck cares about that, is absorbing HBO Max, which a lot of people use and care about. When you think Discovery Plus should be a hub within HBO Max, since HBO Max is so much more watched, beloved, and great as an app. It works. It's wonderful. Why would they put HBO... Welcome back, ladies and gentlemen. Hope you're all doing well. So, to conclude this long episode that um, I did break up recording because I moved. <laughs> to conclude this... Um, I do think it is important to remember a few things. First off, who cares? I mean, yeah, I do. You do, hopefully. I mean, it matters to us all, but don't let this get in the way of what's the most important, having fun and playing video games. Now, that being said, this is a big thing. We don't own the future of video games, unless, of course, you create them or do own stock in it, I guess. But my point is, you and I don't have control over what the next Call of Duty we have we do have a lot more control than people realize because we are the consumer we are the audience so what we say has more of a grand effect over time but if I complain and say I want these things done in COD that doesn't mean it's gonna happen it is the shareholders it's the control of the capital that's what dictates the future of Call of Duty and games development is complex it's not instant. So what you hope to see may come in two to three years, especially with such a large um, vessel that COD and other Activision titles are. But I want you all to realize that this is the largest transaction in video game 
business history. And it's one that you have to keep an eye out for. Because it can change everything. Now, I believe it will change things for the better. I hope that. But I'm not sure. I genuinely don't know. And like I said before, I'm not for these huge aggregates and consolidations of things we love. It shouldn't be reliant on one company because if one company decides we're not doing this anymore or we don't like this or we're going to fuck over these other competitors, they can. It's nice to have content, especially in the entertainment world, that isn't directly controlled, enforced, or regulated by one entity. Other than the authors. I'm okay with that. But my point is, of course, there's always the content will always be controlled by something or someone, right? But there needs to be protections and policies in place so those things, at the very least, are accessible. Think of it like libraries. Libraries are sanctuaries for knowledge. And they have films, and they may have video games, some of them, but they have books, right? And they're free. That's important. It allows people to access things that they may not be able to learn or get otherwise. It's a very important service to the to, to in America. You may not agree with that, but it is. You don't have to agree with it. It's very beneficial. Right? Not everything needs to have a price, and not everything needs to be directly controlled or enforced by something. It's okay to have things available for the betterment of people. The closest thing you'd get to that in the video game world is multi-plat games, which means they're on multiple platforms. They're not exclusive. They're not controlled like that. They may be owned by a company, of course, but they're not going anywhere. It's why Call of Duty is the biggest franchise it is, because it's accessible everywhere. It is cross-play. And, it, and it's, hell, you could play Call of Duty Mobile. You could play variations of certain COD games on almost any kind of platform and hardware that can properly run it. There's no restrictions. You can't do that with Halo. You can't do that with God of War. They're opening up. The PC market now has access to both those games, as well as their specific console. But PlayStation can't play Halo, and Xbox can't play God of War. Nintendo can't play any of them. They can't play any of Nintendo's first party. And that's okay, because at the end of the day, especially with Xbox and PlayStation, they're making damn near identical consoles in terms of power and performance and features. Damn near identical. There's not much of a difference. Sometimes they're a little more powerful. Sometimes they have certain features that are really nice. Right? However... the end of the day that is only a slice of it right that only takes them so far the ecosystem where their friends are and the exclusive games the games they would get 
in one place that they can't get elsewhere also are deciding factors to console sales. But as I said this earlier, Microsoft is dropping the whole notion of trying to compete in pure console sales. Of course they're going to keep selling consoles and try to do well in that. That makes big money. And that automatically forces people to be part of their ecosystem. However, Microsoft has realized that as a subscription service with Game Pass and being available on multiple devices with cloud streaming, with more interactivity and user uh, friendliness, that allows them to not be worried about a $500 entry point, but a $15 a month. And they have multiple plans where you can do a bundle and get the console and the Game Pass and this and that. So my point is that when all said and done, Microsoft is looking 10 to 15 years in the future. Sony may be looking only 4 to 8 years. Who will come out on top? Because there's always they're always going to compete. I don't know. It's too early to tell. We're only 2 years into the console wars and they haven't really even started officially because supply and supply chain uh supply and demand issues with the actual hardware and chipsets. So that will be loosening its grip on the industry in the next 1 to 3 years. And that will change. That will also inevitably delay the next console generation cycle, which is okay. It's still very difficult to get an Xbox Series X and PlayStation 5. Not as difficult as it was two years ago, but it's still quite difficult. More difficult than it's been in any other console generation past. ecosystem 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 that's the future of where these companies are trying to go because these companies branch out and they have multiple things within their ecosystem microsoft has a metric fuck ton as does meta as does google and apple and sony and so many more so their goal isn't to just get you to buy the hardware and use one of their services that's of course one of their main goals if they get that they at least get you on something but their main goal is to make it so you are using everything if you have an apple home device apple controlled speakers an iphone an apple watch an ipad a macbook uh, an, an apple desktop apple tv apple music apple icloud uh, you know what i mean they got you they got you spending thousands of dollars a year into them as one household amazon's the same way google's the same way it's why they develop hardware for the consumers and that's why they develop software and subscriptions and and applications and uh, you know i'm not for this complete financial control over people and i am against and i strongly advise you to never fully invest in one company because if something happens that company or if they change policies all the shit you got could become null and void or just really difficult so spice it up. Have some Google products. Well, actually, don't have any Google products or Amazon products if you can help it. They really don't care about spying. Yeah, all of them will spy. All of them will give. They're not good at all. All of them are, are very, are breaches of your privacy. And I always know that going in. But if you have to choose one of the big companies that are going to breach your privacy, Apple and Microsoft are usually better about it. Not always, but they can be. They're known to be. And that's what they're actually pushing for. And someone might say, well, why would you trust them if they tell you that? Well, because they're making money off it. So, at the end of the day, if they're marketing off of that, they're investing in it. If they weren't making money off that and they were saying that as a claim to try to restore faith, I wouldn't trust it. But they're, but Apple, their whole bid on privacy, they're genuinely trying to bump up their privacy. And they're really investing in it. 
because it sells so if it makes them money they're going to invest in it therefore it is somewhat true right so that's my logic behind that so be careful with all that be safe online watch what you buy and know who owns what you're consuming it might take a few minutes to do some research it's hard to sometimes unravel the multi-layered multi-faceted you know and understand it but the things you love it's always good to know because there's only a handful of mega conglomerate companies that literally own everything that we consume and love including food including cars and resources that we use and clothing and um you know, infrastructure and architecture in movies and TV shows and music and video games, right? I think there's only five main general produce brands that can control majority of the food market in America, maybe six. There are four main film uh, studios that own a bunch of subdivision that control a lot of it. Now, now they control the box office, I should say. For those film studios, they control the movies you hear and know about. But what's unique about the film industry that people may not realize is that's only 5% of the actual film industry. The amount of films, the volume of films, and the people employed. Now that 5% of that is the most profitable. It's the top 10% of all box office revenue. And then some. So they control everything marketability wise and what you hear and know about in films but just know the independent film market is 95 percent of the entire film market in america and for the most part globally so just know that there are more independent filmmakers and ideas that aren't controlled by studios that aren't bought out that's why it's such a cutthroat market because a lot of people want to get that financial support to get that film greenlit and seen in front of everyone so those big five control the industry from the financial standpoint and make the decisions that push the industry forward and change things. But they are not, in terms of sheer volume, they are not the dominant force. And I want everyone to remember that independent filmmakers are in numbers and in capital. Not in revenue, I mean, in, in people and in resources. They are the industry. So when you say you're tired of Hollywood, first of all, understand what that means. And then second, when you say you are, then venture and, and, and find an independent film. Find a short film. Find a 45-minute film. Find a 90-minute low-budget film because they're brilliant. Not all the time. Sometimes they're terrible, but a lot of the time they can be brilliant. They can have ideas or thoughts or intriguing points. And just because you've never heard of the director, the writer, the producer, just because you don't know that the studio, just because it's not a $200 million budget, it's a $3 million budget. And just because, um, which is still considered low budget, by the way, in film. And just because, um, you know what I mean? There's no reason not to find those movies, and they're usually accessible somewhere for free or somewhere for a very cheap price. And when you purchase it or when you subscribe to whatever service it may be on, you are directly contributing to those filmmakers' financial well-being. So never forget that as well. Um, video games is different, right? The video games industry market is way different. 
first of all, America controls like 80% of it, and the big companies and the big names and the big studios and publishers, they are the majority. Unfortunately. Not to say there isn't a huge, huge groundswell of independent film, uh, sorry, independent game developers and, and artisans like that, but I'm just saying it is more proportional in the video game industry, and it will shift. It is shifting, and it has been for the past decade. So watch who controls what, understand why, and understand where you desire to put your money, time, and resources. And always understand the potential consequences. It's always good to know. Hopefully this deal goes well, hopefully it helps the industry, and hopefully everyone can benefit from it. Only time will tell. Thank you all for tuning in, and I'll see you next time.